This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 96 of Go To Grandma, airing on Zoomer Radio on Saturday, June the 10th, 2023. I'm your Go To Grandma, Kathy Buckworth. When I named this show Go To Grandma, I got some pushback from people who said, are you sure you want the word grandma in your title? And I said, yes, that's kind of the point. I'm reclaiming the word grandma and making it positive, not something you throw out as an insult when you see someone doing something you feel shows your age. That's called ageism, my friend. Respecting your elders is a long-used phrase and philosophy, and while I agree that just because you age doesn't mean you should automatically get respect, there is truth and wisdom to these words because, guess what? We know stuff. I have some socks that literally say, this grandma has seen some stuff, only the word stuff isn't used. A friend of the show, who has also seen some stuff, is author and not that kind of rabbi, Ralph ben Today, Ralph and I are going to get into this subject and discuss whether we think Canadians, on the whole, do a good job of respecting their elders, in particular comparing our attitudes to other cultures and parts of the world. And then we do some research, or we share some research more specifically, a 2022 study titled The Perspective of Growing Older in Canada, authored by Dr. Samir Sinha of the National Institute of Aging. In less than 10 years, one quarter of the Canadian population will be over the age of 65. What will that look like? Dr. Sinha will review three key measurements, financial security, social well-being, and health and independence. What's ahead for us? And whether we are old or young, no matter what our gender or sexual orientation, we need to respect everyone. We have a special Take 5 with RBC interview kicking off Pride Month with a review and historical look at the Pride Week and Pride Month events taking place across the U.S. Coffee is one thing I will never age out of. I will admit that I agree with title character Ted Lasso on his assessment of tea. When asked how he takes his tea, he says, right back to the counter because something has gone horribly wrong. But I respect your right to drink tea as you join us for another fact-filled episode of Go To Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth and Ralph Ben Mergy joins me next after this. Ralph Ben Mergy is an award-winning broadcaster, author of the memoir I Thought He Was Dead, and an ordained spiritual counselor working one-on-one and with groups to create a space for spiritual development. Ralph is currently working on a biography of the most recorded drummer in the world. Good morning, Ralph. Thanks so much for coming back on the show today. My pleasure, Kathy. Thank you for having me. We have spoken about a lot of things in the past, and one of the things we've touched on a little bit, but we're going to get into a bit deeper today, is respect for elders, particularly in Canada, but generally in our own societies. What value do elders have in our society today, do you think, Ralph? I don't think they have much. Oh, no. No, I I hate to say that, but I think ageism is real. Mm -hmm. It's sort of okay to be ageist. You know, the statistics are there that when we represent people who are older in our media, they it's about 5% of what you see. And in that 5%, the, the person themselves is decrepit, demented, uh, perverted, inappropriate, incontinent. I mean, these awful things are the sort of punchline of being old. And when you look at what happened 
during the pandemic with for-profit long-term care facilities, you had some people, uh, some politicians, I remember one in Alberta, basically saying, look, they're old. So, you know, they're going to die. So what are you going to do about it? And when you look at things like Trump and Biden, who are, you know, much older, that's the biggest issue for a lot of people is how could you actually be competent Mm -hmm. if you're old? So there's all these sort of pieces around it. Plus, you walk by a retirement home. I walked by one in Toronto recently. I was walking around in my old hometown. And um, I just thought, we just create these ghettos and put people in them and move on because their utility is not as high. They're not going to buy four more cars. They're not going to give you 15 years of their life for, towards your your job. So I, I kind of despair for the way we, we treat our elders. And I guess a part, I mean, a big part of that, obviously, is ageism that you talked about. What do you feel is sort of the root of that ageism? Where does that come from? I think it comes from the idea that we extract things from people and from the planet around us. I think it what we live in is what I refer to as extractive capitalism. What use are you or these resources to me? And everything serves me. It, it's, it literally goes back to the idea of, you know, man has dominion over nature and each other, basically. So that it's all about an I and it relationship. The uh, philosopher uh, Martin Buber spoke about I and thou. So an I and thou relationship is a sacred relationship between two people or between you and the world around you, the ecosystem you're part of, not the ego system Mm -hmm. that we live in. And I and it is what use are you to me? You know, we've both been to parties where somebody's talking to you and they realize you're not of that much use to you to them and they kind of look around you after about a minute thinking who can I really talk to here that's going to help me out so i think we've we've created a situation where we don't value people for their uh, soulful worth we value them for their utility towards what we want. And I think, you know, you're right in that. And the utility sort of seems to decline in certain people's eyes. I've certainly been at those parties myself. But what can we do about it? So, Ralph, I just turned 60 this year. I consider myself, I suppose, at this point to be an elder or at least uh, well on my way. What can we do as elders help to sort of change or reverse this? Is there anything that we can do? Well, you know, I guess have to take it into our own hands. You know, at 60 is a really interesting age because you look in the mirror and think, what? Exactly. <laughs> and then when you talk to people, you go, you know, about 10, no, wait, 20, no, right? 40 yeah. years ago. <laughs> so you realize the blink of an eye of what life is really. But you also have, you have to kind of elbow your way in, I think, to mentorship is one way collecting your energies with other people and civic activism. You know, people are always saying, it's the young people, it's the young people who are going to save us. Well, if you're 60 plus, there's legacy to think of. What what am I leaving behind? You know, like if you look at climate crisis, Alberta just had an election where literally the province is on fire and it was the movie Don't Look Up. Mm-hmm. Everybody was talking about how they're going to keep their jobs and it's all going to be great and oil and gas. And 
Meanwhile, their forest fires are out of control for the 15th year in a row, and they have, you know, they're running out of money to, to fight them. So I think you have to decide for yourself what is a renewed purpose look like for me. I did a, uh, I occasionally do aging to saging workshops, and I did one with a group of men. And all, most of these men have very much attached themselves to their business card, who they were. And one of them was a lawyer, and he said, no, no, I, 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 if I quit, I'll die. Like, people who retire just die. And then we started talking about this young guy, young lawyer, who had called him up because he practiced the same kind of law as this young man. And the man said, look, I, I don't mean to bother you, but I've got this case, and I was just wondering, you've done a lot of these. If you have any advice? And after being flattered, he gave the advice, and when he got off the phone, he thought, that felt great. I don't have to stand on the side and watch the parade go by. I can support the next generation of people with my wisdom, which I've collected over the years through my experience and my thoughtfulness. And he loves mentoring now. He's got four or five people that call him regularly, and he's more than glad to spend some time helping them shave a year off of a process. By You might try this, right? I, so mentorship, I think, is very important. I don't know what we do about... We live... You know, one street has 40 houses, one block of it, and there are 40 lawnmowers. We, we don't share... And we don't share our lives together. The idea is to get your own place and get your own thing and very individual. Yet we're, we have an epidemic of loneliness because of it. So elders are left out. People don't live with their parents. You're a failure if you live with your parents, right? You're supposed to get your own place and they're supposed to find their way. So that's really systemic. I don't know what we do about that because that's just a, a way of being. Economics will probably force us back into cohabitating with our families. I agree. And I agree with what you're saying about mentorship. And I think one of the ways, and I've talked about this on the show, that we can help to fight ageism is as grandparents to show our grandkids all of the things that we can do and to show them that we're people and we're human. And unfortunately, I am right out of time with you today, Ralph, but I appreciate your perspective on this. And I think you're right. We need to take it into some of our own hands and practice mentorship and just, you know, show what we still got. Thanks so much for being on the show again today. My pleasure, Kathy. Take care of yourself. You too. Dr. Samir Sinha is the Director of Geriatrics at Sinai Health System and the University Health Network in Toronto, and a Professor of Medicine at the University of Toronto, and the Director of Health Policy Research at Toronto Metropolitan University's National Institute on Aging. Good morning, Dr. Sinha. Thanks for coming on GoToGrandma this week. Thanks for having me, Kathy. So I've just read through your report, which is Perspectives on Growing Older in Canada, the 2022 um, National Institute on Aging in Canada survey, um, really to look at perspectives and what the key indicators are of aging well in Canada. Why did you decide to do this research, Dr. Sinha? We really wanted to get a good sense of where Canadians are at uh, so that we could actually, you know, really have our finger on the pulse of, of what's happening, uh, what can be improved, and, and where we're actually doing well and, and where we can celebrate our success. And so this was the largest 
study of its kind ever done. We ended up surveying over 5,000 older Canadians. And by the way of us doing the research, we were able to take a look not only at kind of a widespread of individuals or 55 or better, as I like to say, but we were able to also uh, get a good representation of folks from across Canada and really ask some questions that look at the intertwining issues of financial security and health and social well-being as well. So all those sorts of things interplay in terms of how successful we can age and and we will age. And I think this is where we want to get an in-depth view on where Canadians are at uh, and where we can actually improve as well. And it's a large swath of the population, isn't it? In your research, you note that in 10 years, a quarter of the Canadian population will be 65 plus. That's significant. Absolutely. So right now, one in five Canadians is 65 and older. But within a decade, as you noted, that we're going to see one quarter of our population was 65 and older. So we're a rapidly aging population. But we also know that we haven't done as much as we can to make sure that this population is really well prepared to tackle you know, the challenges, but also the opportunities that come with aging. And so our goal was starting the survey with their inaugural one back in 2022 is going to be to repeat this annually for the next 10 years so we can keep our finger on the pulse of how things are going, uh, where things are improving, and, and where things need to actually uh, have more of our attention and, and guidance as well. Yeah, and you you look at 10 indicators of aging well, and they're under these um, sort of umbrella categories of social well-being, financial security, and health and independence. And while we don't have time today to go through all of them in detail, I wanted to pick out a few that I thought were of particular interest to the audience, starting with ageism. And ageism is under social well-being. What are the physical and mental risks associated with ageism? Yeah, one of the big challenges with ageism itself is that it is still, it seems, one of these last acceptable isms that we have in our society. So we know better than to make or to discriminate against other individuals based on their race or other factors, for example. Yet, you know, somehow we still find it acceptable to say that this person's too old or or, or even think of them as being less than, than other people because they might be past their prime. So these are small, maybe seemingly innocent comments, but Ageism itself can really create a loss of opportunities for older people. It can mean they're less engaged in our society. And it it also can be internalized so that people actually think they're less than worthwhile and and they're not as important. And this can actually negatively impact people's own personal health and well-being as well. So ageism can cut in many different ways. It can limit people's opportunities to get the appropriate health care they need. And it can really negatively impact their their, their own mental health and well-being. And that's why this is an important issue that we want to understand how significant it is so that we can do more to actually combat ageism and allow people to age uh, with greater health and independence. And I think when we think of ageism, we think of it as sort of a workplace thing, but it's not just that. It's on the street, in stores, in restaurants, and some people couldn't even identify where they felt ageism. So it's just all around us, basically. It is all around us. And one of the areas that I, as a physician, I focus a lot on this is, is the issue within healthcare, because, you know, when we actually 
don't think about older people as, you know, valuable individuals who often could benefit from the same treatments as others, for example, sometimes we're at risk of over-treating an individual or under-treating an, issue, an individual. And both of those can be consequences of ageism. So it's learning to put our prejudices behind us um, and to evaluate people fairly based on their abilities and, 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 and other factors. Uh, and by doing that and taking away that kind of ageist lens, uh, we're going to allow more people to get the health and supports that they actually need. And under the banner of financial security, you've identified retirement readiness, which is very interesting. And only 35% of people over the age of 50 plus say that they're ready. That's an interesting statistic. Yeah. So one thing that we're really interested in doing is is looking at how ready are people to face kind of uh, their retirement, if you will. And, and a lot of that comes from making sure that people are financially prepared. Because the good news is, is that if you make it to 65 in our society, you have about 22 years of life expectancy ahead of you, and the majority of those years are going to be in relatively good health. But some people are like, gosh, really? I have 22 more years ahead of me <laughs> yeah. after 65? Like, I don't even, I didn't plan to live that long. Do I even have enough money right. or could I actually outlive my savings? And then what happens if I have unexpected costs like long-term care costs or, or, or other things that I might not have budgeted for? So that's why we really do a lot of work about thinking of how well Canadians are prepared and how well they've been financially saving. So Because if you're not financially secure in later life, that can really negatively impact those social aspects of your life, but also your health and well-being overall. So it's an area we want to focus on quite a bit so that we can actually work on good policy solutions and more public education to help more people feel prepared as they age. And under health and independence, you just mentioned health. You also did some, you know, delving into aging in place and 71% of the 50 plus crowd want to stay exactly where they are. And 14% plan on downsizing. And I guess the rest aren't sure. But besides the fact of sort of aging in place and the mental and physical well-being people perceive that will bring to them, that's got to have a huge impact on things like the real estate market. Absolutely. So I think right now we know that a lot of people, you know, are trying to figure out where they want to age. And we know that the vast majority, when you actually look at people 65 and older in our society, you know, pretty much everyone says that they want to stay independent and healthy in their own homes for as long as possible. Now, some people, as you said, might want to downsize, but with most people wanting to stay in their own homes, of course, some people say, well, is that really fair? Should an older person stay in that home or should they give it up for somebody else who who wants to start a family and and, and have all that space, for example. Uh, I think we have to be really careful about about targeting certain individuals and painting them in certain ways. I mean, at the end of the day, if you if you own your house and you want to stay in your own community, that's your right. You know, you've earned that. But the question is, how do we enable people to age in the right place? So for some people, it's the right place for them to stay in their own home, and we want to make sure they can get access to the supports that they'll need. But for other people, for example, it may be too much space for them, and, and they might want to be in more of a communal setting like a retirement home where they can have more social interaction with other people and where, where certain things can just be done for them, for example. We want to basically give people a variety of options ahead of them so that we can actually allow us to make the most use of the the housing stock we have, but also allow people to age where it's most appropriate for them, which in many cases will be in their own homes 
if we give them the right access to the supports they need. Well, this study is fascinating. If people want to read more in depth, they can go to the National Institute on Aging and find Dr. Samar Sinha's report and all kinds of other information and newsletters that come out of there. Thank you so much for doing with us today. I love it. And I love that you're doing it for the next 10 years to track all of this. Thanks a lot for having me, Kathy. Dan Morrison is the digital content manager at RBC Bank, where he supports RBC's digital and content marketing initiatives. One of his main focuses at RBC Bank is managing content on the RBC blog, where he shares financial and travel tips and tricks for Canadians visiting or moving to the U.S. Good morning, Dan. Thanks so much for joining us for the Take 5 with RBC interview this morning. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Cassie. So we're going to have a look at Pride Week. You're going to chat with us about some of the best and biggest Pride celebrations in the U.S. So what can people look forward to this year when it comes to Pride parades and celebrations? It's a good question. I think uh, this year is going to be really interesting. I think last summer we saw somewhat of a return to normal uh, in terms of the Pride celebrations across Canada and the U.S., But this year, I think we're going to see even larger crowds that we've seen in the past couple of years. And I think part of this is the result of COVID restrictions being lifted across North America over the past year, of course. But another part of it, I think, is really travelers. So even here in Toronto, uh, last year, we were seeing lower attendance at a lot of Pride events over the past couple of years. And I think that we can expect to see kind of the return of travel with a particular spike in, uh, you know, Americans and international visitors coming up to Canada, as well as Canadians going down to the U.S. with uh, the restrictions kind of becoming a thing of the past. Yeah, so for Canadians who are looking to experience Pride south of the border, what recommendations do you have? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple uh, recommendations for some good and uh, very established Pride festivals. So I think for those that are in the eastern half of the country, New York City Pride is one that you really can't miss. Um, And I think this really kind of goes back to the history of Pride. Um, Of course, the first Pride celebration was really a protest, and that was born out of the Stonewall riots of 1969. So I think that this year um, for New York, it's really interesting. They have a strength and solidarity theme. And I think if you really want to experience that solidarity, you should really check out the New York City Pride Rally, which is not the same as the Pride March. Um, This rally has been taking place again since 1969, and it was held one month following the Stonewall riots. So this is an interesting event because it's all about activism, educating people and really opening a conversation between the LGBTQ plus community and its allies. And this year, the rally is taking place on the 17th of June. For New York City Pride, there's another big day, which is where the Pride March is and Pride Island as well, which is kind of a music festival. And that's June 25th. So that's kind of for the Canadians on the eastern half of the country. And for those on uh, closer to the West Coast, I'd recommend San Francisco Pride for a lot of the same reasons I've uh, recommended New York City Pride. It really does have historical significance in the fight for equal rights. And San Francisco has really been at the forefront of the LGBTQ plus rights movement since the 70s. So this year's theme is appropriately looking back and moving forward. And they have events throughout June, which culminates in their Pride Parade on June 25th, which unfortunately is the same day as New York City's Pride March. But of course, there's kind of something for everyone on different sides of the country. Absolutely. And is there anything else you'd like to highlight about Pride in the U.S. for this year? Yeah, sure. So I think if you're looking into take uh, looking to take in the sights and sounds of the parade, most of those parades, as I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, take place on June 25th across North America. So even, for example, Toronto, Chicago, New York City, 
San Francisco, Seattle, Denver, they all throw their parades on, on the 25th of June. But that's not all bad news. Most of the Pride celebrations go for the full month of June. And so there's quite a broad range of events to, uh, to attend, from outdoor parties and, and drag shows to even 5K races and kid-friendly daytime events. So I think if you really do want to check out more than one Pride Festival this year, uh, you know, Washington, D.C. hosts Capital Pride, and that's from June 2nd to 11th. And then there's Miami, which also has quite a stretch of events. Uh, their festivities began back in April last month, and then Wynwood Pride is coming up in June with their parade on the 17th. And of course, uh, just to call it, if you are heading to any of those celebrations in the U.S., a lot of these events are cash only. So having access to U.S. ATMs, you know, with a U.S. debit card or credit card, uh, can really save you a lot of money on fees. So uh, if you do want to read further about any of our uh, Pride celebrations that we've highlighted today and across the U.S., uh, you can check out our roundup at rbcbank.com slash prideus. Such great information. And as you say, something for everyone across the U.S. And I love that tip at the end about cash only. Really good to know before we get there. Thanks so much for sharing this with us, Dan. Thanks so much for having me today, Kathy. The respect you give others is a dramatic reflection of the respect you give yourself. Robin Sharma. It starts with us. Stop with the ages comments and honor your wisdom. Don't forget that ageism goes both ways. Don't discount someone simply because they are of a different generation than you are, younger or older. Thanks to Ralph and Dr. Sinha for giving us food for thought as we move through the world, not demanding respect, but earning and recognizing it when it happens. The future is bright even if we have to wear prescription sunglasses to see it. Next week on GoToGrandma, you'd better get ready to have those pinkies out. Don't worry, this is still a G-rated show. The G stands for grandma, of course. We're going to be invoking the royal we as I spill the tea with best-selling author Jennifer Robson and her Globe and Mail top 10 novel, Coronation Year. What prompted her to write about the last time this happened, in 1953? And what are her thoughts on the one that just occurred? You might want to pick up Jennifer's book before heading into afternoon tea with the incomparable Marilyn Smith, who has been throwing tea parties for years and shares her bite-sized pieces of advice on how to host a perfect little grand kitty tea party of your own. Pretend tea is just fine with me, thanks. And we pick up part two of our Take 5 with RBC interview on elder financial abuse. The first part of this interview series can be found in episode 95, which aired on June 3rd on Zoomer Radio and is up on the podcast now. Thanks again for dropping in to the Go To Grandma show this week. I'm truly grateful to hear from many of you, and I'm looking forward to looking back on our upcoming 100th episode, which will include a pretty special announcement about the show. You'll have to come back for that. In the meantime, I'm still your Go To Grandma, Kathy Buckworth. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Instagram, at Kathy Buckworth, or email her, kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.